Alright, hey Refriller fans, it's Dan Hebs, and we have a special guest, Dave. Dave, I'll let you pronounce your last name. I didn't <laughs> ask that question. Is, uh, Dave Twardowski. Twardowski. It's a nice Twardowski. Polish last yeah. name. Yeah. Alright. Uh, so Dave is with us today. Uh, we're going to do a, a feature on himself. He's from uh, the Dover, Delaware area. That's correct, yep. And uh, he grew up fishing a lot in... Pretty much all over the place in Delaware, Maryland, uh, PA. Uh, mainly I fish out of you know Indian River Inlet, Delaware, Ocean City, Maryland. Um, definitely getting more into saltwater fishing now than freshwater, but still do a little bit of that as well. Yeah, that's cool. So he's from the Delaware area and uh, he uh, resides down there with his family. Two children? Two, yep. A uh, four-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. So. so and uh, are they getting into it? My four-year-old son loves the boat and fishing, yeah. so I think we're getting lucky with that. That's good. That's, That's awesome. good. <laughs> uh, so Dave, Dave's been doing this for a long time. He also... Owns and runs the Mid-Atlantic Sports or Mid-Atlantic Sportsman. Yep, yeah, uh, that's a, that's kind of a side tackle business we have. I have with a friend of mine. Um, we do predominantly inshore and offshore rigs, uh, saltwater fishing rigs, and um, we can get into more of that stuff later. Cool. Yeah, so he's got a lot, lot of things to offer here. Uh, where do you commonly fish out of? Like, what's home fishing for you now? Um, home port, I guess, would be Indian River Inlet, Delaware. Um, that's where I mostly saltwater fish out of. If I'm just offshore fishing, I go out of Ocean City, Maryland. Just because I keep my boat on the trailer at home and it's a shorter run, okay. run offshore out of Ocean City than it is Indian River. So yeah. that's the only reason I, I typically go down to Ocean City. But Indian River is probably my predominant home port. Yeah, that's cool. Get that nice big inlet. Yeah. <laughs> Treacherous stories. Well, yeah, yeah, both inlets you got to be careful with. But right. as long as you run them on the... On the right days and right weather days and right tide, you, you're fine. They're yeah. not as bad as some people make them out to be. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was every time I see the the videos of the Indian River Inlet, it's always like <laughs> the most snotty day in the world. Somebody posted a video of the Coast Guard going out right, right, right. and I'm just like, it's yeah, not wow. Those are the videos you typically see, but it's it's really yeah. not that bad. I have a lot of friends who are scared to go out of the inlet, and I'm, I'm like, it's, well, I'm not taking my boat out. It's gonna be bad. My boat's not big enough, so right, right, don't right. worry. If if I say it's okay to go, we're good. <laughs> <We're> good. <laughs> so there you go. A little uh, insight on the the. Indian River Inlet. We get that all the time, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely has a reputation. Yeah, sure. it does. It does. I, there was a, something on. I want to say it was like an Amazon special or something, but they were talking about like the top five worst inlets in America. Really? And Indian River was yeah, one. It's of them. always listed on the top top. And what's the one inlets. in? Uh, there's Oregon Inlet. Oregon Inlet. Yeah. And what's the one in Florida? Jupiter. 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 I think, is yeah. One of the bad I think that was. So yeah. like. It's like, no, it's not that bad. Yeah, but I'm mean, sure it can be snotty. Um, so how'd you get into fishing? So my dad was a big fisherman, still is. Uh, both my grandfathers were, one's still alive, one's since passed away. But So when I was, I don't know, two, three, four, I was freshwater fishing and inshore saltwater fishing with them. So that's cool. Been doing it as long as I can remember. Has he still he still goes fishing with you? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. My dad still likes it. He's a he's a big fly fisherman. He does a lot of freshwater stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he was never big into the offshore fishing. I kind of got into offshore fishing a little later in life when I was 13, 14, and started fishing with some friends and some other relatives. But you know, as far as freshwater and inshore, he does he still does it all. So that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. And you guys just came back from. We just got back from Cabo San Lucas, so yeah. that was a uh, that was a heck of a trip. 
My uh, father-in-law has been talking about the fishing down there since I've met him, since I met my wife about 10 years ago. So um, we finally made the trip down and it was, all I can say is if you have the chance to go fishing down there, definitely <laughs> do take it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Wow. Yeah, there's some of the pictures you were posting pretty neat. Um, and you say you do inshore, offshore, freshwater, salt water. Uh, your, I assume your preference is salt water. My preference is definitely salt water and it's definitely offshore too. Yeah. I can only pick one. Offshore fishing is just it's heading off. It's it's the best. That's so funny. It's like a common thread. Like yeah. everybody starts out like when they're little kids, the trout streams and everything else. But once you get that saltwater fishing, it's just like a whole nother world. And you're just like bit, and that's it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I will say it's kind of funny because I'm sure this happens all the time. Is that since my four year old son has been getting into fishing like the last year or so. He's been taking the ponds and doing freshwater stuff. It's gotten me more back into it. Yeah. Whereas before, I was like, eh, pond fishing, I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to waste the time or even do it. But now that he's getting into it, it's that's what the fun part to me is. Just oh, getting yeah. into yep. it. So, yeah, my daughter I, and I, we... That's probably a pretty common cycle, I'm guessing, for yeah. for people around here. That Well, it's so easy because, you know, we have, and especially for us up here, we have a ton yeah. of streams, ton yeah. of ponds. And so, 15-minute drive, we're... At decent water, it's yeah, calm. Not wasting the whole day getting ready and driving right. two hours, and, and the attention span is not quite there exactly. yet. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, an hour in, it's like, okay, let's just go home. You that's know, the, that's the one thing with my son. You know, being four is, if you get him on the boat, there's usually enough to occupy him on the boat. Right. Even if the fish aren't biting, he can last a couple hours. But if it was just him fishing on the bank somewhere and you're not catching anything, forget about it. Yeah, so. yeah. that's cool. Um, and so you, you do a lot of offshore fishing, I uh, do a lot of inshore, Yep. and you do that primarily from your boat, which is, you want to tell us a little bit about your boat? Sure, I have a 23-foot Sportsman Center console. It's a 2017, so I actually bought it new two summers ago. Um, I previously had a 20-foot Proline, a really old 1980 hull Proline, and um, had some issues with the hull over the winter and started doing some used boat shopping and... Then went to a couple boat shows and now I sold. Have a, well, now <laughs> yeah. I have a boat payment for the next ten years. Yeah, hey, but that happens. It could be worse. Everything's new and under warranty, and that's yeah. So, well, that's the thing. You get into some of these older boats. I mean, it's a it's a gamble. It is. Well, and especially for me with my you know my pro line, it was a twenty foot walk around. I had it out 20, 25 miles a couple times and did some things kind of near shore, offshore fishing, but you know. I myself know how much I like offshore fishing. When I'm, when you're looking at those used boats, you're like, man, do I really want to be running 50, 60 miles out on something that I don't know what the last two owners did to it or right. what the engine has left in it. So that's one of the reasons we went with it new yeah. instead of used. Yeah, yeah you got to have, have that confidence. Yeah. You know. Well, in technology, I mean, unless you're going to repower, yeah. the technology on these outboards is night and day different. Yeah, and that's the big thing, what you just mentioned, is repowering, because as long as you find a good haul, if you if you have the resources to repower, then that's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, because hauls last a long time, but getting a trusty engine is the most important thing, at least in my mind. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I still see the contenders, uh, regulators, like, mid to early 90s and yeah. they're still pulling big money but super reliable hauls. Exactly. Yep. And you know th that owner took care of that haul. Exactly. It wasn't like uh, right. the old Bayliner with uh, 14 transom uh, mounts <laughs> on it. Uh, yeah. yeah, holes there where it's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> so you got a 23, four, uh, 23 foot center console. Yep. Uh, have you always run center consoles? 
Um, not Pearl always. Line was a, what, my Pearl Line was a you know walk around cuddy cabin type yeah. boat. Um, I prefer center center consoles. I like <clears throat> especially for the inshore fishing that we have in this area. The ability to fish all around the boat easy um, when you're bottom fishing or wreck fishing. Being able to spread out like that's a lot easier on a center console than it is, you know, a walk around or something like that. So I yeah. definitely prefer center consoles. Yeah. How's that for hitting offshore? It's good. Yeah. I mean, you got to be set up right for it. I mean, my father-in-law is still mad at me. I haven't got spray curtains for it yet. <laughs> stuff like that. So right, right. There's definitely some things that are nicer about walk-arounds and cuddy cabins for those long runs, especially if it's a little snotty, yeah. if you're getting a little spray. But as far as fishability, I, like I don't it. think there's any comparison. Yeah, I love the center console, so. That's cool. Well, there you go. So little, little tips on that. Um, you know, we get that all the time, and we ponder that all the time. Center console, Pilot House, yep. Express, you know, it's like there's so many pros and cons. And where we are, we can do bay, inshore, offshore. You know, it's like a whole variety, and yep. we have all four seasons. You know, it's not like guys in Florida that yeah, it's, it's sunny and happy nice. all year round. All the yeah. time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where up here, it's just like, man, one day it's hotter than ever. And then two months from now, you're going to be bundled up, freezing. Well, yeah, that's the one thing I always like to tell is that, you know, two years ago, we went out sea bass fishing one day in December. And it was, we were running 26 miles off and we were plowing through and everybody on my boat's bundled up in their hunting gear. And you know, masks and <laughs> ski hats and everything. Yeah. There's a Parker pilot house, just everybody in the heater in the pilot house, everybody in, looks like they're in short sleeves just plowing along right next to us. Everybody was jealous. So, I mean, it, you're right. It depends on the season. There's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. But, um, you know, it just it comes down to what you're looking for. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. Some good insight. Um, inshore, what's your favorite fishery? I had to pick one. I really like the sea bass fishery, especially in the wintertime. Um, you can usually get, get on a really good bite. They're one of my favorite fish to eat. Um, it's good for people that are just getting into fishing. It's usually pretty easy when you find them. Um, I love flounder fishing. Um, you know, it's a little more detailed than just a regular sea bass fishing. You gotta know how to feel the bites and yeah. the different rigs and stuff for the different applications. That so, is a big learning curve. So it is. <laughs> feel the bite on the flounder. We found that out this summer, like there's, yeah, it's, it's not, a learning curve for not sure. Not just as simple as drop it down. Yeah, you know, no. which which it can be for stuff like sea bass and stuff like that. So if I had to pick one, I'd say sea bass, but I definitely love flounder too. Yeah, and then for offshore, do you typically target tuna or offshore? I target anything that bites. So I figure if I'm lucky enough to be out there in my boat that day, um, I, I don't really, you know, just strictly marlin fish or strictly tuna fish or strictly anything. I typically run a pretty common meat spread, I guess you say, you know. Yeah. We look for, we prefer to catch tuna or mahi or wahoo because if we're running all the way out there, we want to bring something home. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. If, you know, white marlin comes in the spread, we'll gladly try to catch it, and it's really cool to catch one on a little center console, but we don't specifically target them. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, tuna and mahi are predominantly what we target. Yeah, so when you're out there, you're, you are running a, a variety of spread. Yeah, we typically. Just in case something Yeah, hits. I mean, if we're, you know, early June, if more tuna around, we'll run a lot of spreader bars and daisy chains and, you know, ballyhoo and stuff like that. And then later in the season where there's a lot more mahi and marlin around, we run a lot of naked ballyhoo and some smaller stuff. Um, but still, you know, have a couple of tuna and wahoo baits out as well. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Um, so with being a 23-foot boat, I'm sure you have some pretty interesting stories with... 
maybe weather, fish. Yeah, so size of fish. Um, Let's hear a couple good stories. <laughs> so just this past year, because really I've only had the boat since um, for two summers now. Right, right. This will be the third summer coming up. So the first year I had it, you know, just kind of getting used to it. I never actually ran out to the canyons. We did a couple trips to the hot dog. Some inshore spots like that. Yeah. Did some chunking and trolling for tuna in there. We caught some yellowfin. Um, but then this year, I, you know, now that I was more comfortable with it, I decided to run offshore. So we did, I think, four offshore trips this year with it because you really got to watch the weather windows yeah. and hope it works up, works out with your work and you know, kid schedule and all that stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. The one thing I will say about the weather and what we mentioned about inlets earlier is the last trip of the year we did was the first week of October. You know, we heard there was a really good mahi bite out in the canyons pretty much all over the place. I took a couple buddies to go load up, and, you know, it was flat calm, the weather for that day, and I thought, October, we're not going to get this many chances. So we're leaving Ocean City Inlet, and we we're going to head down to the Washington Canyon, which is, you know, go out the inlet, and you kind of head south. Yeah. And there's a couple, we leave real early in the morning. I like to get out to the canyons or wherever we're fishing as the sun's coming up. So about 3.30, we were breaking the inlet, and there was a couple big sport fishers in front of us and I'm watching them they're heading way out to the north I'm thinking oh, they must be going to a different canyon well just me not thinking not being used to it I remember there's a big shoal on the south side of the inlet as you're coming out yeah, yeah. so we're we're driving through it's pitch black 3.30 in the morning I always take it easy when I'm running at night and I'm looking in front of us and there's like a wall of white water coming right towards us and I'm oh, right at that moment I'm like, Oh crap, that shoal that, that's there. I see every time we come back in. And those big boats, they're not running north, they're just running around it. Yeah. So we ended up plowing right through a wave at about 3.30 in the morning, soaking everybody. Luckily, that, <laughs> that was the only thing, only one there after we passed that, it was fine. And we just, Jeez. everybody got completely soaked. Oh man. <laughs> everybody was looking at me like, what the, what the heck are you doing? What's this guy doing? So, yeah, you know, that's, that's something you, you just always gotta keep in the back of your head. And, you know, be familiar with the inlets you're running out of because I've ran out of that inlet a bunch of times just getting excited about fishing yeah, and not yeah, paying attention. About it. But not luckily, cool. it could have been a lot worse, but just turns out to be a yeah. funny story about getting That's everybody crazy. Away. Nobody needed coffee that morning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wake up right, up, right away. <laughs> so, Clean it that quick. Yeah, so that was, uh, that's something that you gotta you got to be aware of. That's good to, That's good to know because, uh, you know, a lot of people that listen to, to our podcast, they are... A variety from newbies looking to get into the offshore scene you know they, they fish in the bay or the, the chesapeake and they want to start running out uh or there's people just like you know people up here that want to get into boating fishing it we're so close to it yep. and they want to make that transition these these tips are helpful to to know uh did you have any any times when you had mechanical failure um, not in this, no, not in the boat. new boat. Um, when we had the 20 foot pro line, one of the last trips I did out in that, I like doing inshore sharking with that, uh, fishing for threshers within, you know, 10 or 15 miles. And one of the last trips we did, we got out there and the motor was kept cutting out on the way in. Mm. So, you know, the whole ride in, we're trying to, it's getting a little rough. We're trying to get back to the inlet. We're 10 miles away and the motor would run for five minutes and cut out. Then it was an old, it was a 2000 Johnson two-stroke, so you'd have to pump it up again and get yeah. it going. And, you know, luckily it, it didn't cut out for good, and we were able to keep getting it restarted. And it turned out that we had some problems with the plugs and stuff like that when we got it back in. But, you know, 
it's kind of a scary thing when you just you're out there and the weather's building and yeah. I mean I have CETO I have you know all that stuff so yeah. we would have been okay if we had to get call somebody to get towed in but it's yeah. just something you never like dealing with yeah also pissed a lot of people off because I don't know if you know Indian River Inlet ramp but it can get pretty crowded when you're, especially at the end of the day when you're pulling your boat and, you're messing and everyone's sitting there. Well, everyone's sitting there waiting their turn, and I just kind of said, hey, my engine keeps cutting in and out, so I just drove right to the ramp and hopped <laughs> off. Everyone's giving me the evil eye. <laughs> I didn't want to be floating around out there with no engines. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that, you know, I'm sure that was probably a pretty big factor. You deciding to go for a new well, boat exactly when you, you know you're like you know what like we've been there now you kind of get that little bit of a oh boy like that's yeah. real it can happen yeah. you know oh yeah exactly and one thing i want to say too is that for anybody even thinking about running offshore consistently in them because my boat's a 23 foot center console with a single engine make sure you get you know towboat us or, or sea tow or something yep. make sure you always have some buddy boats out there we never run out without any buddy boats just yeah. it's not worth it in a yeah. boat that size you always want to have somebody out there that can help yeah so yeah and sometimes i mean I, i've seen a lot on the forums on like the whole truth uh and now there's there's a couple of facebook groups too like you can communicate with people going out and especially like we run out of sunset yep. and we hear a lot of talking like hey we're running out so even if you run out separate at least you have a couple contacts that are going to be out in that vicinity that you at least know like hey we're out here fishing hit them on the radio as you're heading out you know just, just make sure people are communicating with yeah you. what you just said is great you don't have to you know know everybody personally as good friends i mean i have a couple of good friends that i try to run out with but there's a i have a big list of people from the whole truth and other forums that you know you get in text groups with them or something and you always yeah. know that somebody's going to be out there you know their boat name you know their name you can always check in with them yeah and you're not going to be alone out there so. right yeah i mean there's days you get out um, when we did the offshore stuff the one time we were out nobody was around exactly next time it was literally like high-fiving people as they're trolling <laughs> ass you know it's like crazy it can be a million <laughs> boats or none so. yeah um Okay, so you're you talking about your boat, your typical gear. What do you have any preferences? Uh, we're not sponsored by anything. Uh, nope. We typically run Pen just because they're good price. Um, everything's repairable, replaceable. Um, but love to hear what your preferences are, and maybe as far as your light tackle versus your troll. Yeah, so pretty much, I mean, it just. Inshore and offshore is a big difference. For inshore, you know, I like pen and I like Avid reels. Um, I for my bottom fishing, that's predominantly what I use. Um, I have a lot of Avid conventionals and pen spinning rods. Okay. Um, so that's typically what I want. For offshore, honestly, it's whatever I can afford. So yeah. <laughs> my my yeah. offshore mix is a mix of everything. I buy a lot of stuff used off the Whole Truth and Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. And, you know, I can't afford to have a spread of all, you know, pen yeah. internationals or you know. Tiagras, so it's it's really what you can afford. Last year I ran out; was my first time running out the canyons in my boat, so I had a lot of TLD thirty, TLD twenty fives, and stuff. And you know, this year I bought a couple more thirties and stuff to try to take out some of the twenty fives, some of the old Penn Senators I have. Yeah, yeah. So just you know, get what you can afford and replace them as you want or as you see. I mean, a Penn Senator, if you fight the fish well enough, will catch a hundred and fifty pound tuna. Still works, but it'll kick your butt so after you do it a couple times you're like man i'd really like to replace this old reel yeah. with a nice new two-speed so 
you know, you learn as you start catching things yeah. and, and doing things that, hey, this will work, but it'd be nicer if I yeah. added a couple of these to it. So I'll yeah. tell you what, the first time we went out wreck fishing, uh, I had a five and a half foot yeah. <laughs> uh, Basically stick. A bass rod. Yeah, it was a bass rod. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, that's what I had. Like, yeah, I'll take it out, use it. And on the rack, when we were out there for a few hours, it was the only one. I caught two flounder on it. Yeah. And I just had to crank a little bit more, you know, but uh, <laughs> right. that was enough for me to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to use some of these Bass Pro gift cards I got, and we'll go out and get a, <laughs> a new pen. And yeah, that's what it was night and day, but it still caught fish. I mean, everybody else was out there, you know, caught two fish on it, and, you know, it looked like I had a monster. I think it was doubled over, <laughs> and, you know, I'm cranking, but yeah, it was, it worked, man. Yeah. yeah. And that's a cool thing. There is a lot of used gear that's still very usable, um, and you don't have to get the nice stuff, the expensive stuff, to catch fish. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm one. I, I like when stuff looks cool and looks nice. I went out last year and bought a an Avid thirty wide and and dipped in the green camo, and it looks oh, yeah. really uh. sweet. It's my favorite rod, but <laughs> I can't afford a whole spread of them. So right, right, I have yeah. one, and the rest are you know a mix of Shimano TLDs and. But it takes time to build it up. I mean, exactly. So, you know, I I love the way if I had the money for it, I'd have all matching stuff and custom name, oh, boat yeah. name on the rods. But yeah. If you're just starting out and you fish small boats, just whatever you can afford. And like you said, there's lots of good deals on used equipment oh, all yeah. over the internet. So, yeah, um, it's definitely something to take advantage of. Cool, cool. Um, so if we were. For the beginners that are listening that say they fish freshwater or they fish on the shore or they're just getting a boat for the family then they want to start fishing we see a lot of that down at ocean city um what are some tips you would give to those people starting out uh and obviously they're not going to start out going offshore yeah now it sounds cliche but everyone tells you the best thing to do is go out on a charter and hire a guide you don't have to go spend thousands of dollars running offshore with a charter. There's a lot of boats in Ocean City that run back bay charters, inshore trips, stuff yeah. like that. The biggest thing I see is when you look and you read reports on the internet, especially for inshore fishing in our area, they're so, you know, the bite can be so narrowed down to small pieces of bottom or, you know, some specific thing those guides are doing that you read a report that says, this boat went out and caught their limit of flounder out in the ocean and people think, well, I'm just going to go out there and yeah. in the ocean and catch my limit of flounder and you can go out there all day and not get a bite. So, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. <laughs> it's hard. It's a big ocean. There's a lot of spots. Um, so if you, even if you don't book it with a guide, go and talk to some local tackle shops and, and try to get some numbers and stuff like that. I mean, if you're just going out there, like you see with a lot of tourists that are just fishing from the surf or fishing from the, the bay, excuse me, um, you kind of feel like, man, they kind of look like they're just wasting their time what they're doing there. But, um, and they kind of get discouraged if they don't catch stuff right away. So if you you take a lot of that learning curve out, if you can either go with the charter or at least get some insight from some yeah. locals down there. That's what I found very helpful too is the intel. You yeah, know, just talking with people at the docks and yeah. and people that even weren't catching. At least you, they could say, hey, I was out, especially in the yeah. bay with the temperature changes yeah. the way it does. One week. They're way back at the 90. The next week, they're up around uh, the 50. You know, it's just they're all over the place. But at least, even if they didn't catch it, find out where they were so you don't go there. Yeah. That, you know, that same day. Right. Yeah. yeah, any information is good. So. <laughs> right. um, anything else? No, I mean, those are the big things I, I typically tell people that are new and just start 
excuse me, um, like I said, any any information you can get from any of the most up-to-date information you can get, because that's another thing, too, is that you read a report of them absolutely hammering flounder one week, and you get down there that weekend, and the bite just completely died. Yeah. So instead of wasting your time flounder fishing, maybe you can go, you know, trying to catch blues or Spanish mackerel or something yeah. different that, you know, you'll still get action rather than wasting your time doing that. So, yeah. you know, that's a big thing people kind of see is that, you know, they see a report that's a couple weeks old, think it's going to be exactly the same, and it's not. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it changes daily, daily. almost daily. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know we had friends that, you know, Tom went out and, mm-hmm. you know, saw a bunch of tuna out, and then everybody scrambled went out, and there was yeah. nothing, you know, yeah. two days yeah, later. The, the so. last the, the last sword, <laughs> we caught a big sword yeah. man on a hand crank rod, and uh, then he was catching tuna, like, I don't know how many miles out. It wasn't too far. But that was at late November, like right around Thanksgiving. Yeah. So then I went on with the restless lady, and we went out all day, nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's. It was just like it's everything even, just shifted. I was it's like, even ah. worse offshore because those bites can change by the hour out there. Yeah. And it's you know that's that's even a tougher thing to try to try to pin down and schedule. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. And we all we always say it's like. With freshwater fishing, it's relatively cheap to get in, yeah. to get into, and everybody thinks going off or going saltwater fishing is a big expense. You know, like if you want to have a boat, get the boat, make sure it's sound and good. But you don't need to spend a ton of money on tackle rods. No, you know, yeah. most days I'm running, I'm using one rod in my hand the whole day when I'm inshore yep. or. Uh, in the bay, in the bay, and I'm using two or three lures. You're like, yeah. there's nothing fan, or just live bait, and you know, so it's like, you don't need all of this stuff. Uh, no, you're right. To have I mean, a good time, it's definitely easy, especially this time of year is always the worst. You're online, you're thinking about fishing, you're <laughs> <laughs> seeing a bunch of stuff that you really don't need, and you just buy, buy, buy. But if you're just getting into it, like like you said, what's kind of it's kind of funny is that. I have a ton of tackle and I use probably 10% of it. You have your favorite lures, you have your favorite rods. Oh, we do the you same. Have your favorite yeah. rigs. <laughs> we take like a big tackle box every time. This, you it's buy like... all this stuff you think you're going to use and it just sits there and you never use it. So, yeah. you know, buying a couple things and seeing what works and then, you know, getting more of them or upgrading like that is the best thing to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you have a small boat, even like a, say, even 18 foot center console, you know, something very affordable for a small family 20 footer, you don't want to have crap all over your deck you know like well, there's some storage stuff but when you have the kids and all that stuff like take what you need that is my biggest issue with my boat is that i do so many different things in that thing that it's hard to keep all my tackle and everything organized that you know i can't store it all on the boat yeah i don't have spot for especially all the offshore gear if i'm shark fishing that's a whole different set of gear I trailer the boat up to Lake Ontario to go salmon fishing, which is a whole different set of gear. Oh, man, so yeah. like I'm constantly pulling everything off, putting everything back on. And my biggest thing is being organized in my garage because if I can have everything in boxes and bags ready to go, marked by whatever I'm fishing for, it makes it a lot easier. Yep. Because if you just have a whole bunch of crap on the boat, you're either not going to have what you need, or yep. you can't find what you need, or you have too much stuff. So yeah. that's my biggest issue. Like. When you're offshore tuna fishing, it's a completely different set of rigs and tackle than when you're flounder fishing. Yeah. So being able to stay organized to get the right tackle on the boat is one of the biggest issues yeah. I have. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's That's been uh, a game changer for me. I read, I, I listened to that on another podcast, and they were talking about organizing tackle per 
targeted species. Yep, exactly. You know, or inshore, offshore, you know. And just that alone, like utilizing every minute on the boat to catch the fish rather yeah. than prepare to catch the fish. Like prep at home. Yep. Right. And then yep. when you get on that boat, it's, it's ready time. to run. And yep. you have all your backup floors ready to go, rigged. Um, and we saw that, I saw that too on when we did the White Water Tournament. Like, it, those guys had it down. Yeah. I mean, there was no messing around. Nothing got, I mean, crossed up. No. Got, yep. It was ready to roll. Um, yeah, the worst thing is when you're, you have an opportunity to fish, you either see them or you're marking them or people are catching them near you and you're not ready. Yeah. Yep. You're not rigged up. You don't have it with you. Yep. So that's that's definitely, you want to try to be, and you're never going to be perfect. No. There's going to be times where you're out there and either you're running in from offshore and you run into a school or something or something happens and you're like, I didn't bring any of the stuff for that. But it happens. You just want to try to be as prepared as you can be. Yeah. Yeah. And I found with bottom fishing for a flounder, snagging. You know, when that, when, that, when that thing lets loose, it's like, last thing I want to do is spend the next 10 minutes retying this thing in two, three-foot rollers. You know, yeah. it's like crazy on a small boat. So, like, if you can prep your rigs ready to go, it's just yeah. snap yeah, it on. it make it a lot easier. And you're back in the water. Um, yeah, crazy. So that's good stuff. All right, so seven questions. We'll finish out this podcast um, for Flounder. Braid or mono? Definitely braid. Any type of bottom fish in the braid. Do you have a little tip for the insiders on on the benefit of that? Um, you can use it. You know, braid's a lot smaller diameter than mono, so it takes a lot less line to get down to the bottom. You can hold bottom with less weight. You can feel bites better. You can feel the bottom better. It's just, you know, there's no question. Braid is definitely the go-to for yeah. bottom fishing. You always want to have mono or floral leader on it. But as far as your what you're spooling your reels with, yeah. definitely braid. Yep. Uh, outboard or inboard? I've only ever owned outboard, so you okay. know it's easier for me. Yeah. Inboards, especially in the salt, um, unless you're talking about big, you know, diesel yeah, right. or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, definitely outboard. Inshore or offshore? If I had to pick one, it would be offshore. Offshore. I love it. Spinning or conventional? Whew, that's uh, that's definitely got to be a both. I mean, I have setups just for I just use spinning reels with and whenever I'm bottom fishing I just use conventional but I can't can't just pick one yeah it's got to be both <laughs> live or artificial um it had to be artificial I guess because you know we especially in this area don't do a ton of live bait fishing you do sometimes with bottom fishing but you know offshore it's all artificial and dead bait predominantly so right. yeah artificial uh, beer or liquor? <laughs> beer on the boat and liquor at home. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I try not to drink too much liquor on the boat. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, definitely no. beer on the boat. <laughs> and I assume this one's pretty self-explanatory. Express style or center console? Uh, me personally, definitely center console. Love the fishability. <clears throat> and uh, like I said, for what I do and, and how I fish, it's definitely center console for me. Now, if money was not an option, would you get the 42-foot... Center, or would you go with the Express? I would probably still get the center console. Yeah, my dream boat is like a 40, 40 some foot Freeman yeah. catamaran. Yeah, center uh, console. So, which uh, basically have living quarters inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you get that big a center console, it's kind of like both, but you still have the fishability. Yep. of the yeah. center console. So, yeah, I would still pick that. That is a huge bonus of those. So, to finish out this podcast, how does anybody get in touch with you or the Mid Atlantic Sportsman? Um, so we have a website. It's just www.themidatlanticsportsman.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. 
and Twitter, even though I don't use Twitter too much. But yeah. um, but either of those, just you know, you can send us an email. All our contact information is on the website. Um, we have a lot of rigs we have on the website. We also custom build rigs for people. So if you're looking for anything in particular that you don't see on the website, just shoot us an email and we'll do our best to get you set up. There you go. Awesome. Um, so the next podcast is going to be talking more about the Midlandic Sportsman products, what you offer, what your services are. Um, so check that out. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Ooh. So we are giving away a pen battle nice. as our first giveaway. Oh so uh, it's a was it three thousand real seven foot stick right. light. So that's the rod I use. That's the rod you use. That's the rod I for use for flounder yep. fishing. You bet. Um, what's what reels on yours? I have 5, the, yeah, I have the, the spin fisher. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, five thousand. Yeah. So we love them for bottom fishing. Great action. Good strength on the back end. Oh yeah. Uh, but that will be our first giveaway. So stay tuned. Uh, emails for stickers. Yep. And get in the drawing. Get those pictures out. Stick them on anything. Um, Yeah. So check us out for the next podcast.